I'm Daniel. And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. So this week, we saw Sisu. Uh, it was written and directed by Jalmari uh, Haylander, which I thought that was a badass last name, because all I could think about <laughs> is Highlander. Uh, however, I am not familiar with this uh, director. Uh, he did, I want to say, the most movie that I... Th- or probably most common movie that people would associate with him is um, Big Game with Samuel L. Jackson, and that came out in 2014. Uh, this movie did come out in 2023 uh, for America, but it was actually released in 2022. Yeah. Uh, it, I... Yeah, that actually confused me for a little bit, to be honest with you, because I was like, wait, I didn't know that this... Uh, you know, got to a uh, film festival. So it debuted at the Midnight Madness section of the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, September 9th, 2022, which months later uh, came to the United States. Uh, but its big f- premiere was in Finland and at January in 2023. I think he cut out again. No, I'm right here. Oh shit, dude! I, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were about to say something, and I didn't know. But like, I heard a click. But that's fine. Hold on. <laughs> I'm hanging out okay. every word, bro. <laughs> I I see that. Yeah. You're doing good. Okay. You're doing good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, just a little bit of a background of this movie. Uh, during the last days of World War II, a solitary prospector crosses paths with Nazis on a scorched earth retreat in northern Finland. Because, you know, they were motherfuckers. Uh, right. When the soldiers decide to steal his, uh, his gold, they quickly discover that they just fucked with the wrong miner. So, uh, I actually really enjoyed this film. Unfortunately, I did not get to see this on the big screen um but my tv i felt like did do it justice and the 4k release was beautiful uh so i was very happy with the hard copy of it and i did get it in a uh, steel book and the steel book is very cool um that's actually i actually judged it by the cover before i even saw it so i picked it up because the steel book was cool and i was like i'm gonna watch this so mm-hmm. what was uh what was your experience with this film man I I had seen it kind of um, online, and uh, you know I don't remember exactly where I first heard of it because I'm not really too big on like I don't troll the movie websites these days, but I think I I may, might have seen it pop up on like I, I saw it streaming, definitely wasn't aware of any kind of theatrical release, um, and it seemed like like good just Nazi killing good time you know what i mean I mean, it's a it's a fairly uh easy genre to approach and um you know i i like the running time it's a it's a brisk 91 minutes oh it and, was fast yeah and you can get me to sit down and watch almost anything if you promise me it'll be over an hour and a half so th- there wasn't a whole lot of head scratching about this one i think it may have taken me a week or two to actually um watch it that's why i was confused too about it's it's 2022 release date because I was like, dude, I saw this fairly quickly once it hit streaming, and it was definitely this year. So it makes sense that it was a holdover from Fantastic or uh, uh, from TIFF. But um, yeah, I think I was trying to like line up my kid to watch it with me, and he was just like, yeah, I don't know, maybe I don't really care. I'm like, fine, fuck you. I pulled the trigger and watched it by myself one night, 
and thought it was thought it was great you know it was just kind of like he's a very um grizzled hero and the nazis are are typical nazi scum very easy to hate they're doing you know deplorable things to women and um this guy's got a it, it reminded me of spaghetti westerns you know what i mean he's kind of like on his own uh you know he's got a man on a mission doing his own thing and um fucks up a lot of nazis in the process and there's some pretty cool set pieces with the minefields and all that um but yeah i dug it you know very very much felt like a clint eastwood spaghetti western to me at times yeah no i could definitely see that uh it did it was using uh the the studio not you know because that studio uh which I probably should have looked up to be honest with you. Uh, Lionsgate and Sony, they own the rights to uh, John Wick. They distribute John Wick and they use that actually in the promotion and that, and John Wick four was the movie that they released the trailer during. Uh, mm. They, they use that so much though, that I actually thought the creative team behind John Wick was behind uh, this film. And I, now after watching the movie, and seeing who was behind it, I was like, I was unfamiliar with like everybody other than actually, right. yeah, everybody, every, every single person. Um, however, the story is, a, is pretty close to John Wick's though. you right. It followed a dog a kind of one man, you know, wrecking ball, like, you know, somebody that he doesn't, he's not a first striker. You, you know, you fucked with him and you found out kind of deal. Um, and I enjoyed that, but I actually, I ended up like even looking up, I was like, is this movie at all connected other than the studios? And a lot of people are trying to make fan theories that this guy is like John Wick's great grandfather or something like that. <laughs> so, so for me, I was just like, okay, so this is just like a fan thing. It came from the same studios. I get it, which is great. But to me, I actually really enjoyed the film uh, action wise and stuff. It kind of reminded me of like, if Inglorious Bastards was directed by Eli Roth instead of uh, Quentin Tarantino, and, and wow, That's in the sense, one. in the sense of hostile, right? Um, obviously, Quentin Tarantino he can get pretty messy, uh, but he he does it with class. Where Eli Roth is, you know, you better be wearing a raincoat, right? He kind of takes the more Sam Raimi approach. Uh, and, but I did, you know, I like both styles, but this movie was definitely kind of, you know, it was more like that, uh, just with one man instead of a whole team. Uh, it probably felt like a fucking team. Well, at the end he did, you know, a team kind of emerges, but, uh, I, I did like his character. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a silent man with no name. Um, once again, going back to the Eastwood spaghetti Westerns, it is, it's a world war two movie, but it's very, um, lo-fi i mean they got a tank right so i mean yeah, obviously yeah. you got a budget but that's all they got and you have you have basically one platoon of nazis and they got a uh they got a truckload of bitches and they're trying to get from point a to point b and um this guy the main character is uh a miner that's got all this gold and uh the nazis kind of they the, they know that the war is over they pretty much know that they lost this is in the you know the the end days of world war ii and you know it, it, the prospect of going home kind of empty-handed with the exception of all these chicks they got in the truck um the idea of getting this gold and kind of having money 
um, it intrigues them, which is an interesting thing too. I don't know if you've ever seen Kelly's Heroes, but uh, it, it was kind of a weird backwards nod to that. Kelly's Heroes is about a group of American army officers that take a detour with a tank to uh, steal some Nazi gold. So, um, you know, they go after this miner and who, who's really just trying to, he, he, he doesn't really have politics in this. He's just, he's got money. Uh, he's just trying to go home with his money. And the, the Nazis continually present challenges to him that he overcomes. And he's very single-minded in his vision and, and what he's trying to do. There's some interesting set pieces. There's one having to do with a minefield. Uh, there's, there's one at an abandoned gas station with a plane. Um, there's a lot of really inventive stuff, but it's all smaller in scale. You know, there's only a, a handful of, of actors and characters. It's, and there's no big armies. There's no big battlefield scenes, you know, it takes um, place on a road. basically. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a very low fi concept. I'm not something that's saying this is a movie they made for $15,000 or anything, but, um, you know, it's not, it, it's not saving private Ryan by any means. And, uh, but it's still a damn good time. It's just entertaining cinema. And um, it's neat seeing World War II from the perspective of Europeans. There's no Americans in this. There's no, you know, hey, Brooklyn, get over here. You know, I mean, it's (laughs) like just, it's Nazis and Europeans and and that whole thing. And they're kind of settling the shit between themselves. That was was kind of a refreshing take on it. Uh, It is very much... um, in the, I wouldn't say John Wick, but it feels like, you know, in the same way that John Wick was actually written um, and produced by the people that did Nobody. Mm-hmm. And this feels like, you know, through uh, the distributive property, this feels like something that was probably done by the, the Nobody team. Right. Um, I, I don't see a lot of through lines between this and John Wick. John Wick is very spectacle and very, very uh, rich world building. And mm-hmm. this is very sparse. Yeah. Uh, so that to me is an immediate line of distinction between the two franchises. Yeah, I didn't but, think they were connected when I watched. Like, I didn't feel the connection. I just kept like I. I think I took the uh, the brought to you by the you know the people who right. brought you on Wick. Because usually, I understand that that is a you know a grab, right? That grabs your attention. Uh, but for some reason, I was just like in my head, I just kept thinking, "Oh, cool! It's behind the same creative team, and at least the violence and stuff." I just was like, I already expected that because yeah. of john wick and then at the end i was like this wasn't at all what uh who, who made john wick <laughs> so but um <laughs> but i mean it, it doesn't matter to me it was really good you know and it i think it i think it doubled what it cost to make so good for them too uh yeah you know and for this also to be a uh a european movie I thought that did very well in the States and people probably didn't even notice that it was European since it was distributed by familiar names. Um, and then them also slapping John wick on the cover that probably helped yeah. a little bit too. Yeah. You're not going to necessarily recognize anybody in this, but you know, whatever. Yeah. You don't yeah. always need to, you know, sometimes no, no. Those, those people in that movie. Yeah. Uh, now we were talking about how like low fi it is. Uh, just like you said, the budget, it didn't seem like there was a really big budget. I think it came in around six-something million uh, in in U.S. dollars. Uh, but, like, the explosions and the deaths and the kills and all the uh, effects, I, I mean, you could tell that's where their money went. 
<laughs> and I was definitely okay with that. Yeah. Uh, with them being so, I mean, I guess yeah. when you have a movie uh, with very little words the... and you focus on that. No, you can go. It's good. Yeah, the one. Uh, no, the. Uh, I'm looking up the guy that played the Nazi bad guy because he is. He's a Norwegian actor by the name of Axel Henny. And I don't. Oh, he was in Cloverfield Paradox and The Martian. But he he's worth checking out and paying attention to because he was he was pretty hey, good. I, as yeah, far as I know him from go. The Martian. Um, yeah, he was. Th- there was some good performances in this. Also, the the leader of the female rebellion when uh, when she kind of gets a hold of things. Um, her she she does a good job too. Uh, so there's some standout performances. It's really worth. It's a it's a very nice, solid little movie. I don't mean to be patronizing when I say that, but you know, for for a, a limited scope, for a 90 minute runtime, for a cast of mostly unknowns, uh, it's got that confined like sense of setting. Uh, a limited cast kind of feels like a stage play, even though you you wouldn't go see this in the theater, but it, it feels very very honed and very tight. And, um, you know, it's nice to see movies like that every once in a while, you know, so I, I highly recommend that I, I really enjoyed the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, I really did too. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It, and I don't know, usually I don't see too many European movies going with the violent route. Usually they go the sexual route. So that was also kind of fun and refreshing. <laughs> uh, usually Americans, we take all the, we take all the violence. Now we frown against the yeah. sexual shit, though. <laughs> well, especially from the Swedish. Like, I can't think of, like, too many, you know, you, you, most American audiences probably haven't seen that many Swedish films out of maybe, like, you know, uh, what's his name? Ing, Ingmar, you know, who did the Yeah, there's a, uh, there's, I, I can't think of his name, but uh, I think there's a Finnish film, or I think it's Finnish, the, um, the killer bunny thing that I talked to you about a while back about the bunny that's like he's uh, mutated and he has like a three or four foot long like cock and he's running around yelling pussy. What the fuck he's are you like, talking about? Dude, <laughs> you don't remember me bringing this up? The no. killer rabbit, dude, it's fucking phenomenal. It's this really not. It. It's a piece of shit, but I love it. And it's this hilarious. Is, this is not a conversation you and I had because I would have remembered this. So oh, dude, it's I could have sworn I sent it to you. Like I really could. Uh, look it up. It is the killer bunny thing. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and it's a fin. I'm pretty sure it's Finnish. It's one of those Nordic countries, and it just runs around and fucking just yells pussy and like fucks people to death. And it's oh almost. Oh my god. It's almost. Uh, I don't even know. It's like, there's no other movie I can really compare it to, to be honest. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of intense. Ingmar Bergman and the Seventh Seal, which was Swedish, so it's not even really the same thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is it's nice to take in, uh, you know, film from around the world, and yeah, I think that this is a very palatable, uh, if, uh, you know, world cinema experience for your your average American moviegoer. So bring a little culture in your life, you know, right. ask the wife if she wants to watch a foreign film tonight and then throw on Suzu. Like, or killer bunny thing. I'm sure. <laughs> is it really, is it literally killer bunny thing? 
Okay, hold on, wait. Let me. I'm just gonna type it up. Killer bunny thing. Bunny the killer thing. I'm sorry. Uh, it is Bunny the Killer Thing. It was made in 2015. It is an 88-minute movie. Pado, right up your alley. Oof, I'm loving oh, it. Oh, shit. Uh, let's see. Let me see if it's on Tubi. <gasps> it's on the Roku channel. Okay. For free. For free. <laughs> and the bunny I... fucks things to death. Yeah, man. It's intense. It's intense. It's, um... It'll if you if you guys are wanting to get international and artsy, <laughs> if you will, uh, on date night, this could be a very erotic film, or it could uh, you might sleep on the couch that night. Either so, way, you're winning. <laughs> so, so so soften them up with Suzu because it's got a very pro feminist uh, story to it, and that'll that'll have them thinking that you're a highly evolved, you know, forward thinking individual. And then once you've laid the groundwork with that. Then that's when you do the one-two punch of uh, Killer Bunny, or the bunny, or what is it? Uh, bunny, the killer thing. Bunny, the killer thing. Yeah, you see, it's like, a, it, it really fucks with you when you're trying to say it. It, You know, it's just like what it does with its like three foot, four, four foot long penis. Um, it also has a POV shot, a penis of view shot. Um, it's pretty cool. It's like, the, it's like a GoPro is wrapped around his dick. What is, and he's like chasing people. No, oh, no, it's okay. just chasing people. But it's like you could see all the KY lube on it, kind of like Alien, like this, how the Xenomorphs used to be. And like it's just always, it's just way out there. It's like stiff, you know. It's ready to go, ready to rock. Uh, and brings, uh, yeah, brings new meaning to the phrase Dutch angle. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's Dutch, right? Swedish, Finnish, Dutch, Swedish. whatever. Fucking that whole area, that whole part of the map. Whatever they I got going on over there. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. It's Dutch now. <laughs> Sorry, right. guys. They might hate the Dutch, man. <laughs> Those European countries, they get, uh, they get, you know, their borders, they mean something. There's a, there's a great line in Clueless where, like, she asks her housekeeper if she speaks, Me- can you go speak Mexican to the gardeners? And the housekeeper's like, <laughs> I'm not a Mexican. And, and Alicia Silverstone goes to Paul Rudd, like, what's she upset about? And Paul Rudd's like, Lucy's from Guatemala. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get upset when people are think think that you're from like a different part of Los Angeles. Like, <laughs> like you completely got our country wrong. Like, yeah, people tend to get upset about that. You yeah, know? I mean that's just like with I mean, think of Chicago, man. You, well, you got Southsiders, you got, and that's all I know. <laughs> oh yeah, there's well because of the baseball teams because the Southsiders follow the White Sox predominantly yep. and the North Siders. Like gotcha. the Cubs and, and people. That is some people's entire identity. Both <laughs> teams suck, so it's whatever. Well, the, you know, not to not turn this into a sports podcast, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the White Sox are out of the uh, are out of the World Series uh, race for this year, but not necessarily the Cubs. They're second in their division, so. We'll uh, however, they did just uh, – a White Sox player did get into a fight recently, and – it was a, it was kind of a funny looking fight, but you know that's baseball players, right? <laughs> yeah, they're not they, boxers, they're not fighters. They, they, they hit balls with sticks. When the White Sox win the World Series, there's a lot of like people call off to work and you know, and and garbage cans get set on fire, and there's like kind of looting and shit. I'm when, sure that happens. In most when cities. the Cubs win the World Series, um, 
I just I re- remember that party. I remember that party. It was a good time. We had a real good time when that happened. When the when the White Sox won the World Series, I remember driving and people were throwing beer bottles at my car for some reason. I'm like, what the fuck is what is this about? You know, but uh, it's, it's like, but yeah. you know, both of those, both of your experiences that you had, that happens in Philly, regardless if they win or lose. <laughs> 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 so. You know, <laughs> I learned that from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, my one, one last sports anecdote, and then we'll, if you got final thoughts, we'll, we'll get to them. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, so my wife was like, hey, do you, uh, she's going back to work tomorrow, and they have like theme days because she works in the uh, education. And um, she's like, so we have to wear like a sports shirt. Do you have a sports shirt? I'm like, no. I'm like, oh, you know what? No, I have a Columbus. Uh, yeah, you Columbus do. Blue, blue jacket shirt. Yeah, you do. So she's like, she's like, okay. And I'm, she's like, I'll wear that. And she's like, wait a minute. When did you get that? And I'm like, I because of Daniel. I'm like, we, we decided yeah. that we were going to like the Columbus blue jacket. She's like, why? I'm like, because we wanted to have something else to bond over. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so I go in my jet, I go in my closet and I took it out. And I looked at it, and here's the thing: I've worn this shirt like a handful of times. There's an Instagram picture of me wearing this shirt. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, know, ju- yeah. I just noticed for the first time it doesn't say Columbus Blue Jackets; it says Columbus Hockey Team. Yep, <laughs> it just says Columbus Hockey Team. And yes. I literally was thinking, I think I asked you about. It. I was like, "Oh, I saw you got a shirt," and you're like, "Yeah, man." And uh, yeah, dude, I never fucking noticed. Where did you get I, it from? Uh, Amazon. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I just went on Amazon and said like Columbus Blue Jackets apparel, and that popped up, and I was like, Columbus "All right, cool." <laughs> and I did, and I just thought it said, "It's the it's so funny to look at it because it looks like the most fucking generic." Yeah, like now the Blackhawks, <laughs> like the Blackhawk, uh, like fans, they're not going to get angry at you because you could just be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This isn't professional. This is like this is... my le- <laughs> This is my rec days, man. This is back when I was, you know, having some brewskis on the ice." Right. I don't know what they do. Is celebrating that what they do? my favorite think... Columbus hockey team. Yeah, it's my Columbus hockey team. I was going to say, I feel like hockey players probably uh, drink beer and on the ice, right? I probably have to go to the Columbus Blue Jackets website for the officially licensed Columbus Blue Jacket apparel. Uh, uh, Fanatics. You can go to Fanatics. Because I do like sports. Like I like uh, baseball and basketball. And now I'm following hockey with you. We wanted something. This was new for both of us. <laughs> right. So, uh, And I caught a couple games last season. We watched, uh, you and I, for a little bit, we were watching a couple games and we were seeing them lose a bunch but at the end of the season we had a pretty I feel nice like it was a bunch i think they did okay i mean i know that they didn't obviously i mean they, they had like the worst league. record in the yeah, league but, but yeah oh, but i mean they, really? they did they did a, oh wow yeah they had the worst record but you remember we had it was all up and coming <laughs> players and you remember because you and i were talking about it because you're i was like of course we chose the worst team in the league and you're like hey they're young it we were investing <laughs> right now they'll rebuild yeah, right. So it'll be fun. We yeah. get to watch, we get to grow together. <laughs> sure. uh, real, real quick with uh, <laughs> with Sizu, I wanted to say like I'm really happy that this movie did get to us because it it won a lot of awards uh, at the 55th Sitges Film Festival, uh, Best Actor, Best Film, Best Cinematography, and Best Music. Which I feel like that should be score, but. <laughs> um, who was you the know. best actor? Just the main character guy? Uh, uh, Jorma Tamila. Okay. All right. Yeah. I could see them giving it to the, the villain as well, but that's fine. 
Yeah, I liked the villain a lot in this movie, actually. Yeah. I thought he did it. I thought he was a very good Nazi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he, he was very menacing. He was very uh, disgusting and repulsive. And, well, he, you like, know what he they was just, you know, he was just like a. I mean, they they played him well. Like he was also, I think he was SS. So I don't know. They did a good job. You know, it was they did the right approach where he's not the rapist. It's his second in command. That's man, the yeah. That right. that's always how they do it because there's that doesn't for some reason they can't they don't want to make the heavy. That's too much of a heavy, right? right. But his second command is the creepy one. That's. That's uh, fucking the girls in the truck. But, um, yeah, I thought that dude did a really solid job. You know, I, I could see either. Let me just put it like this. If, if you were oh, to win an uh, award in an uh, acting award for, I could see either of those characters, either the, the main protagonist or the main antagonist getting nominated because they both delivered solid uh, solid performances. You know, like right. as we said before, like the main guy doesn't say a whole lot, and I get that that's a that's a aesthetic choice that they make and it works well because then when he, you know, finally does there's weight to it, but like um the antagonist actually had to kind of give more nuanced performance and deliver dialogue and stuff, so he, right, right. he did a more traditional acting uh role. So yeah, but no, it was good. I, you guys should definitely check this one out. Definitely. Highly recommended. Thanks, Dan. <laughs>